Hi everyone, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath here. I'm here with Rabbi Yeshua Berkowitz and we are sitting at Chabad and DG in Montreal, Quebec. We just finished a fascinating lesson with a group of 10 university students. It's called Sinai Scholars and it's basically this course where they start exploring uh, what it means to be Jewish in their own Jewish voice. Now, some of the questions that came up in the class were fascinating, and I thought that you would be interested in listening to them, and uh, we discussed them here. So, uh, Rabbi Yosh, which one would you like to discuss? Which one? Um, well, the most basic question that came up was, well, this is a tough question. Um, it's the question of, if you have this idea that you, that uh, the articles of faith, let's call them, right? 13 articles of faith from Maimonides that one, in order to be considered not an apostate, right? One has to believe that the entire Torah is true. And then we're also saying that you have to question everything. So how does that work together? How can you have both of those at the same time? So that was what, a pretty intense question. What we were talking about was this idea of blind faith versus questioning versus that... Questioning. If you want to be, let's say, quote unquote, a good Jew, you need to uh, accept the word of God. I'm just paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But that at the same time, we have this incredible culture of questioning and truly questioning. So, how do you reconcile blind faith with questioning? Yeah, that was one thing. And the other thing was. Uh, Jewish identity is it cultural is it religious is it ethnicity nationality a race that's a classic question have you ever discussed it on your podcast before uh, I've never uh, discussed that no on my podcast before that's interesting so that's so so question. let's start you, you were talking about Plato and and, mm-hmm. and understanding uh, and knowledge so let, let's start with that okay well the idea is that the fundamental question of Western philosophy is is something right because the gods, well, for the Greeks, the gods, right? So uh, for Plato, it was the gods. So is something right because the gods say so, or is it right, therefore, the gods say so? So what comes first? What God says, and then that becomes right, or is something right, and then that's why God tells you to do it? And that's really asking the question, is, does faith come before uh, logic, or does logic come before faith? And that's kind of been discussed for a really long time, like, to, you know, that, well, over 2,000 years by all uh, parts of Western philosophy. It's the basis of Western philosophy, that question. So they say, I'm not, I, I can't, I, I, I'm not expert enough to have studied that on my own, but that's, that's what I'm told. That, that, that's the basic question of Western philosophy, and it's something we think about a lot. Um, anybody with a religious background or anybody who thinks about things, um, metaphysics or anything like that, is going to have that question. So that plays that really plays into it as far as where do you start? Do you start from faith or do you start from a rational basis? So the problem, each one of those approaches has a problem. If you start with a rational basis, then the, your then what your then your entire foundation can always shift, can always change because the nature of of logic and reason is that it's very malleable, as uh, as I'm sure you know. Um, so then your so then your your foundation is always shifting. So that's the problem with starting. So it's very comfortable because 
you are you only have to go where your mind takes you. Um, you don't have to go anywhere beyond that. And then based on that, you can start to believe things. But the but the, where but that can always change. That can always shift. And so you know there and therefore you end up with this approach of well, so nothing is true. That and that leads to kind of. Um, well, we see that today. If we look around today and we look at our society, we're, we're kind of heading towards this something called postmodernism, which is this idea that nothing's true. It's all kind of sophistry. So uh, one of the reasons why we're going that direction is because we, we're in a grand experience. And I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. Maybe this is what you, you brought me in for. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we've got, had this grand experience of not having any faith for quite a few decades, right? At least in, in the public... Domain, right? In the public domain, faith was too strong, especially here in Quebec, really all over North America. So fine, we're, we're, we're going to take faith out of it. So everything is based now on evidence. Everything is based on rational, rationality and logic. And so uh, – and, and that has caused a lot of change. That's caused things to change quite a bit you know, and, and move and, and become different, right? Or uh, things that were okay 10 years ago in, you know, in politics are, no, are not okay anymore. Things that were okay one year ago are not okay anymore. I so mean, things are constantly shifting. The Me Too shifting. movement and all these things that are just kind of well, are, I, I, are climate well, change. I, I, and, I think, uh, yeah, I think Me Too was never okay, uh, personally. Yeah, but it wasn't so open. I mean, obviously, yeah, it was okay. Never okay. It's more sensitive. Like you know, cat calling and what was considered you know whatever, yeah. just boys being boys, is now looked at with a, with a new kind of uh, and rightfully so, rightfully so. Well, whatever. That's you know, we're we're not here to judge everything right now. Right, start judging everything. But yeah, I mean, fine. You know, some you know whether some of these things could be positive, some negative. We have no idea. To we're not we're not going to get into politics and start figuring all that out. The point is, is that that's what's happening. It's changing. So and it's changing because things are no longer based on any kind of fundamental faith. That's not the foundation anymore. So it can change. But then what that's led to is this whole questioning of oh, so nothing is real. So I can be so it can become whatever I want, right? So the, there there is no truth. So whatever I say goes. It's kind of I can I can be anything, and that's led to some really you know let's like really in, well it's it's led to people kind of being like nihilistic. So nothing is real. So what's the point? So and and then a lot and then in politics a lot of cynicism and indirectly led to this whole political discourse where like truth where truth doesn't matter, facts don't matter. You don't have to answer questions. You don't have to say anything of substance. You just have to bribe people. That's what I think this whole election was. But that's for another. Canadian election. That's for another uh, another topic. So that that's that side of things. And then if you base things on faith, and the intellect flows out of there, so then nothing ever changes. And that was maybe the old conservative society of the Victorian age in the fifties. You know, where everything was very, let's say, in North America, everything was very Christian. In Quebec, everything was very Christian. Nothing changed. It was all based on faith, and. The ideas and rationality and logic were all based on that. So in, in society, for example, so you know things were very steady and consistent and, and predictable. You knew what you were getting, but they also quickly became stale and out of touch and dogmatic. You know that's the way society was in those days. So either way you look at it, there's going to be a problem. Right. So how in Jew, you know so as Jews, how do we approach this topic in our society? Uh, in our in, in our in our Jewish society in, in our in our um, in our intellectual discourse, how do we approach that topic? What is fundamental? Is it, is logic fundamental or is faith fundamental? And so, whatever. I once heard 
Yeah. I once heard that if you want to keep friends, don't talk about religion or politics, and here we are talking about both of them. Oh, well, yeah, I'm the worst. I don't have any friends, so I just talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, funny but not funny, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, I just... But what, what, one of the things that came up tonight with the university students mm-hmm. was this idea, and let's go back to it, this idea of really questioning, and that Judaism, the premise of Judaism is this culture of questioning where a lot of the students were really shocked with that because they said, mm-hmm. well, they've always thought that, you know, being a good Jew meant that you had to accept things. And yeah. here we're presenting them something very different, that being a good Jew means that you have to question things. So where does faith stop and questioning begin? Yeah, that, well, that, that's the question I've been asking, right? Because, you know, uh, that's, that's the idea, is what, what is fundamental? If faith is fundamental then that's it. And if, and if questioning is, is, is a rational process, you don't question faith, right? Because there's, there's nothing to talk about, officially, anyway. So when you're, when you're questioning, you're using your, your logic, using your, the rational part of your brain. So is that fundamental? And like you're saying, where does it stop? Where does it end? Um, you know, either way you do it, you're going to start running into problems. And so what is the Jewish solution to that? Question, you know, if uh, if you're supposed to question, and then there's also these things that are taken as absolutes officially, you know, it would appear. So how do you deal with that? So uh, did we? I don't know. I, in the class, did we develop any answers to that? I mean, I know, I know, I dropped oh. some <laughs> some ideas no, you, on them. You, but. you dropped some good ideas. I think that the main premise was to kind of just shock the students to a certain extent and say that you can question, you can still be a good Jew, and you can question. And well, I you were saying that, more than that. You were saying in order to like, if you're not questioning, then you're then you're bored. You know the the you know we told you well it was, it was all based on the seder, right? So we have the seder, and the beginning of the class was all about the seder and the four questions. And if you and we have the you always have to ask the questions in the seder. It's not a seder if you don't ask the questions, even right. if you're on your own. And it was interesting how we yeah. kind of asked them like, what's the most popular Jewish holiday? We went back and forth, and we decided Passover. And yeah. then we said, what's the most important part of Passover? They said the seder. And then um, I said, so you know what you know about the seder? And right away, everyone's saying man ishtana Whereas, like, is there any other prayer that so many? I would say secular or, you know, maybe more traditional Jewish university students can just belt out like, you know, yeah, everyone knows Kol Nidre. Yeah, what's the word after Kol Nidre? In the Kol Nidre prayer, does anyone know that? It's, sorry, in case anybody is wondering out there. (laughs) (laughs) What does Kol Nidre mean? Why do we do it? Um, Nobody, I know, I, I, barely know the answer to that and nobody I talk to ever knows the answer. So, yeah, there you go. But everyone knows Manishtanad. We're asking questions and, and that becomes, and apparently, the yeah. seder is supposed to be an example of what a, a a Jewish dinner, a dinner in a Jewish home, is supposed to look like. Yeah, and and the course continued, and this is really interesting. A lot of people don't know this that the Manishtana is actually based on biblical verses. It's not just like something the rabbis uh, innovated when they when they instituted the you know the seder. It's actually in the Torah. It talks about when your son will ask you about Passover, and, and, it talk, and it talks about four sons. There are four verses that have four different sons with four different questions, and those are the questions that we present the four sons, you know, and and, uh, and all And that. what's amazing Very, is that yeah. the Torah says in time to come, where, like, the Torah is even anticipating us here, 3,000 years after the Exodus from yeah. Egypt, and the, and the different discussing, kind of discussing this, yeah. asking our parents, and our parents 
are to tell us. The Torah actually gives the answers that the parents should give to us. Yeah, yeah. And so the, in the four questions of the four sons, the interesting thing about the four sons is that the first one is the wise one who asks a clarifying question. The second one is the wicked one who asks a challenging question. But he's not last. The, the, the wicked one who asks the challenging question is second because at least he's interested and curious. Like he's still asking the next one is Tom, which is usually translated as, you know, silly or simple or dumb. Or, but it's not. The Tom is just like, he's just barely interested enough to, to mumble, what, it, what is this? You know, what, what's going on here? Where are we? He's basically apathetic. Uh, which, bordering on apathy, just like kind of politely, you know, or, or, or maybe like even slightly curious. But then the last son, presumably the lowest level, is Sheino de Elisho, which is not, again, not intellectual capacity. It's not that he's not smart enough to ask; is he's just not interested, he, and you know, and you. So you have to find a way to get him interested. That's the the, the answer. But that's con- that's considered to be worse than the Russia, who's you know ostensibly we translate that as wicked, but it's not really wicked. It's challenging. It's 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 rebellious. But at least he is interested, because you know, and you and, and hatred is very close to love. The opposite right. of love is not hatred, as we were discussing in the class as well. Yeah. We were saying the opposite, the opposite of love, love is, is, is apathy. apathy. Yeah. So the Shino Delicio is really apathetic. So yeah, questioning is fundamental, and, and even if some and challenging questions are welcome because at least that there, there's like somebody's curious. There's some life there, you know. It's, That's an amazing uh, idea. Is that what we want to be Jewishly inspired? Is curiosity. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex, to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I find that when, I, when I'm talking to someone and, and they're curious about life in general, that I'm going to be able – I know that we're going to – you know, we're, we're, there's going to be somewhere to go in that conversation. If somebody's just not curious about life, like doesn't want to know anything about why the way things are the way they are or how things work, then I'm just like, okay, you know, I, there's not much – I know that's going to be much more challenging for me to have a conversation with that person or, you know, for, uh, you know, like it's, yeah, it it doesn't work. You know, curiosity is, is, you know, life for me anyway, and it's important for relationships. That's more of the love rabbis thing, right? Love rabbi? (laughs) Yeah. You like to talk about that. Yeah. So curiosity is really good. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. But then how does that fit in with, you know, so the challenging son, where does he fit in with things if... He's not taking it as, a, the, you know, the article of faith that everything that you have to accept it all is true. And, you know, the wicked son's not taking that. So how do you fit in? How do you fit him in? That's, that's a great it, question. That's, that's what they were asking. Right. That's what, that was uh, our, uh, you know, one of our, a few of our students were asking that question. 
And, and what do you think of that? Uh, well, I, I dropped some ideas on her. To, to, we could talk about that all night. That's a really, that's a good one. Um, well, let's summarize it because I think that's such a uh, well. There, powerful... I, have, I have a few different. There's a few different. There's a few different things that we came at it with. Um, on the one hand, it's just important to understand that we don't that as a philosophy or an ideology. Judaism, well, Judaism is not really an ideology. Um, and all philosophical questions are open. Just because Maimonides said that something is an article of faith, and and yes, practically speaking, in Jewish law, we accept that as, uh, as uh, now. So that's become the halacha. That's become you know uh, normative. We call it normative. But it doesn't mean that the question is closed. Nothing is intellectually. Nothing is ever closed. That's why we still open the Talmud and we still go back to debates that have been settled for centuries and millennia, and we still argue about them because intellectually nothing is ever closed. So that's a really important idea to understand that how questioning can fit in. That what you do and what you ask are two different things. You know, the way you choose to do things, the way you make choices about what to do, has actually very little to do directly with your brain, with your mind, with your with your intellect. It has more to do with your, you know, with other things, really. It comes down to emotions. But, uh, and yeah, intellect in the long term can affect emotions, absolutely. But just because you learn something doesn't mean you'll do it, and very far from it, uh, as we know. Um, it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have anything to do so with So there needs to be something that's going to inspire us to internalize what we're learning to the points where it will lead us to action. Yeah, that's how that works. But, you know, but the point being that you asking a question it's an intellectual exercise at heart and there's no limit to how much you can do that it's kind of separate in the process you can ask questions about anything and it's okay you know what you do yeah yeah what you do so we have you know uh we have we can we can't do two things at the same time there are decisions had to be made at some point in jewish history about how we're going to do things and how things are going to play out but ideologically there really isn't no jewish ideology because everything's up for debate even until today Look, is God uh, present in the world or not? Is he, how, how specific is divine providence? How does that work with free will? Those are all questions that have multiple answers until today. And there, there, is, no, there, there is very little in terms of set theology for Jews. We don't really have a dogma that way. And, and maybe that's interesting because the Torah does say when the Jews accepted the Torah, they said, not seven ishma, that we're going to do and ask questions later because all that debate is after the action. Yeah, it's two separate things. Right, yeah, so it's it not means I debate and then because I don't believe, I don't do uh, Jewishly or I de- because I don't accept a particular thing, I don't do. No, I do Jewishly yeah. and then I debate everything afterwards and yeah. I really debate it. Yeah, and that comes down to the acknowledging that we don't do things because of our, the way we, you know, because of understanding at the end of the day. Like, it's just not how we live. We don't live like that in any area of life. You don't do very much because you've really thought about it. It is a little disturbing, and I don't want to... I don't know if I have to dig into this too much, but... Yeah, if you actually start breaking down life, very little of what we do makes any sense. Okay? It just doesn't. We we just... We don't don't do it for any logical reason. If I would describe life in, in, you know, perfectly objective terms, it would sound completely ridiculous. You know? It's like the story of the guy who... uh, Rich guy goes on vacation... He's, you know, fishing on a boat somewhere in a warm country, and um, there's a, he, 
there's a man who's a fisherman who fishes for a living and, you know, earns his little income. He says, why don't you, you know, why don't you build a business here, a beautiful fish, hire another fisherman, get another boat, build up a fleet. And they keep saying, well, what's going to happen then? What's going to happen then? He said, oh, then you'll be wealthy like me. And what will I do when I'm wealthy? Well, then you'll go on vacation and come fish here. He said, I can just do that right now. <laughs> right? Very little of what we do makes any sense. So that's, that's a whole other thing. But... Um, so the, the, I didn't get to this with the students, and I hope they don't listen to this. I don't want to kind of ruin it for them. Maybe we'll spoil it, but you know, we'll talk about it next time. Is that the gen, Judaism's general answer to this whole issue of the debate of what's fundamental? Is faith fundamental or is logic fundamental? Is that logic is fundamental as an article of faith? That that logic is a is a, is a function of faith. That part of our faith. Which that that faith is fundamental, but part of that faith is that you have to question, and you and 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 reason is part of it. So we are commanded, we are like in the Torah, we are commanded as an article of faith to question, because if you're not questioning, then you're not understanding. We're commanded to understand, and that's the whole point of the Torah. So questioning and understanding becomes an article of faith. It becomes part of what we have to do. Um. Yeah, and that's where it gets really wonky. And that's but that but it's interesting if you applied that in society, I mean it would be really interesting because then you have this kind of uh faith which which demands rigor and it demands questioning and it demands a certain amount of change. That's the cool thing about halacha is that is that to some extent, you know, it changes and flexes based on different situations and has evolved to some extent. The debate between different streams of Judaism is where do you draw those lines? Or are there any lines at all? Can we change everything? But, um, you know, even just talking about, you know, in orthodoxy, it, you know, even within orthodoxy, it's very uh, relative to, you know, world religions. It's pretty liberal. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff that gets interpreted and changed and, and uh, fascinating things that, change, that happen and, and it progresses in its own way. So it's cons it's conservative yet progressive at the same time because of that because it's conservative in the sense that we're, we have there's a basic thing that doesn't change that's conserved which is faith right faith is unchanging but the faith demands progress so it's it's cool that way uh, it has it has both sides to it and that's why we don't fit into also politically we just had the debate we just had the election so we don't I'd say as Jews we're not conservative or liberal. Um, we don't really work with those labels because it, you know, the Torah has kind of everything in it. It has, oh, if, it has elements of conservative and has elements of, of liberalism if, as well. If Judaism predates religion, then I would assume that it predates politics also. No, nothing predates politics. <laughs> Adam and Eve. So, politics. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> right from the beginning. Yeah, right, yeah. That's it. In the okay. beginning. That's this week's Torah portion. As soon as there were two people, there were already politics. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. So I've been teaching this course for about 10 years now, and this is the first time that you have come in and sat in uh, on a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what's your reflection? Like, what, what's your takeaway? What do, you, what do you think about this process? And uh, what do you take out of tonight's lesson? Um, I, I, I think that, well, I think we have to, you know, it's hard when you're giving a course, I and mean, you've been giving that course for so many years, and it's kind of it becomes really difficult, I think, when you're doing that, doing it for that long, to not try to anticipate what's going to happen. 
yeah. and what people are going to say. I think that's the big challenge. And at the beginning, I could sense the struggle. Like you were, you were waiting for them to say certain things, but like it was just it's you know every class, like you said, every class is completely different. And it's like nothing you've ever done before. Every time you have a new group of students in there, that's really cool to see. Because at the beginning, I see like. You know, you're you're you know you're waiting to for it to happen in a certain way. Like, no, everyone has has a different angle on it than you're expecting. So that was nice. I think that's really cool. And uh, I really don't like leading questions. I don't. Um, I know that very often within uh, Jewish pedagogy mm-hmm. and uh, Torah pedagogy, there's a lot of like leading questions. And I find yeah, that leading questions is belittling to people. It's like saying that you know you're stupid and I'm going to lead you somewhere. But I think that we're, we're very intelligent as, as a people, and, that, and that's why we can take the same material and we can have a completely different experience with it. Yeah, well, if you trust the material and you trust your students, you don't need to lead them anywhere. You just right. have to like, ask questions and dig for the truth. And if you're teaching something that is anywhere close to true, then you should be able to get there without leading everybody exactly where you want them to go. And, but uh, yeah, as long as soon you have people who are uh, not deluded, I guess, if people are deluded. I thought it was a great group of students. Yeah, no, they were great. Yeah, and that's why I did go places. It was really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, so, an ins- so I, I, had, I had a thought that I've never had before, and that's when we started talking about identity, and, you know, there's this idea that the Jewish people are a family. That's our fun- that is our fundamental uh, identity, is a family, and that answers a lot of questions about a lot of things. A very large family is called the tribe, right? And that's why we talk about the tribe, and that's right. that that resonates with people. That's like the tech tribe, or or you know, it's a cool word now, tribe, because tribe is a big family, and that really describes us well. And we can also a family that can adopt as well. Um, so yeah, fine. We had that discussion and uh, went the way I thought it would, but then at the end, I I was kind of like, well, what does the second part of the class have to do with the first parts? And um, what it did, there was a connection there. Uh, some you know people had different ideas. You know, qu- qu- what's the connection between the questioning and family as a Jewish the Jewish identity? So let's a, just let's just identity. clarify for the people who weren't part of the class. Yeah, the first half of the class was all about um, that Judaism is a culture of questioning, and the second half of the class we we asked like, what is Judaism? A religion? A culture? A race? An ethnicity? A nationality? And we came to the conclusion that. We are the children of Israel, that we're actually a family. And if you go look at, we're never referred to as even Jewish in the Torah. We're just referred to as the children of Israel. Yeah, primarily, absolutely. And so that is a fascinating way of looking at Judaism, not as an ism, not as a religion, not as an ethnicity or nationality, but simply as a family. Yeah, so a nice thing for me that came out of that class was when I asked myself the question, what does the first part of the class have to do with the second part? What is questioning and that whole debate that we had or that, you know, that issue of faith versus versus reason have to do or what is the place of questioning when there's a demand for faith? What does that have to do with identity? And I kind of realized that, you know, when you're in a family, in a way, it's very absolute, right? Because we were saying in the class, you know, if you're when your family, even if it's estranged, but it doesn't go away, it's always there. There's always a, an intrinsic connection as family and so that's why you can have any kind of Jew and remains a Jew uh, because it's family. Uh, no matter what they think or what they believe, they're, they're always a Jew. It's a family. And, but So what that does, which is really interesting, is that it actually makes it easier to ask questions because if, if let's say, if it was just a religion, if Judaism was a religion or a faith, and you started asking questions, 
there's almost this fear that you're going to you're going to chase away the faith you're going to you know and then and, and lose the whole thing and so right. and then so you're afraid to ask questions or you'll be judged or you'll be judged well what it all comes down to at the end of the day is is losing whatever you have losing your connection with it but like when you have when it's family when the connection is not a not purely religious it's it's a connection of a family uh you know, it has all kinds of other aspects to it as well, but it, it, it's something which is immutable. So asking questions is not going to change anything. So on the, in a way, it makes you more comfortable and able to ask questions because no matter what happens, you know you can't lose it. Um, and then that's, that's why you can ask questions because you're, you're not going to question it away. You're not going to chase it away with your questions. It's always going to be with you. Uh, no matter where your questions take you. And so I think that's important that you can ask questions and it's okay because this is something which is so fundamental that your questions are not going to dissipate it um, as opposed to something which is purely a faith or, or anything else really, culture or anything, any of the other identities we discussed. So yeah, I think that's a good summary of the class. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Rabbi Yosh, for joining me tonight. Uh... And uh, thank you for sitting in on the class. And uh, thank you all for listening to our uh, musings on what would you say this is? Um, What do you mean? Like like on faith, identity, and Jewishness. Yeah, something like that. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.